This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance, or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, welcome to today's episode. So today we have a fantastic interview with Lindsay from the Little Box of Books. Um, and Lindsay's goal is to help more children to see themselves in the books they read. So I won't make you wake any more. And here's the interview with Lindsay. Okay. Well, hi, Lindsay. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for being here. So I just want to start off by, well, actually, first, first, first of all, for everyone who's listening who doesn't know who you are, can you just tell us, tell us who you are and a little bit about your business, please? Yeah, I'm Lindsay Pollard and I run Little Box of Books. I set it up um, two years ago and we sell inclusive and representative children's books. So all that means is we find books that who's, where the characters reflect real life. So you see a lot more single parents, you see um, main characters of all colours, all races, you see um, maybe two mums, two dads in stories. So it's just, they're, they're just books that reflect what our society looks like. That's what we go for. That's fantastic. And um, so what inspired you to start this business? Uh, well, um, when I had my eldest son, who's now uh, six, um, I was a single parent with him. And I went to plenty of shops to try and find books that showed our family unit. All I wanted to see was us going about our business in the background. I didn't want more books about my single mom, the superhero, or my, my brilliant mom, any of that stuff. I just wanted a story where we were just evident because he was talking like as he got older he started talking a lot about how he wasn't we weren't normal and he wanted a proper family and um I just wanted to kind of send home the message to him that he was that what we had was as valid as anyone else's but I couldn't find them and you know it was down to my privilege uh, I'm white middle class and so when I was growing up I saw myself in stories a lot but the children's stories are extremely unrepresentative and once you start looking once you see it you never you never unsee it and um you know so something like only four percent of children's books published in 2018 had a black asian or minority ethnic main character and that's when 33 percent of our school children are of black asian minority ethnic origins so it's it's a real problem and once once i saw it you know for myself and once i was trying to find books for my family like I couldn't unsee it, you know, and I had to do something about it. Oh, fantastic. Well, and yeah, I I have to admit, until I came across you, I haven't met anyone else who's doing what you're doing. So I think that's fantastic. And I guess because I, I suppose you sort of had, a, I guess you were sort of 
so what am I trying to say Lindsay so I guess the reason for you starting this business was essentially to meet a need that you had but I'm sure you're finding that lots of other people are really benefiting from being able to come to you to get the books that they need well once I'd kind of done the searches and found all the books that I could possibly find that just told my child what the world looked like without him being you know I mean we live in we live in inner city London we live in Brixton I'll say that clean for you. <laughs> we live in Brixton, so I wanted books that showed what he was seeing every day, just to tell him that everybody mattered and everybody was equally important. And I think that that was what was that was what was really important to me. And there are many people doing it, but actually, when I started the search and how long it took me to to like have a bookshelf that I was happy with, you know, and there still were huge gaps then I realised that this could be a service that we could offer loads of people because, you know, they're so hard to find. Publishers don't publish very many of them, but, you know, schools don't have them, families don't have them. You have to kind of point them out and also tell people because subconsciously the kids are taking in a lot of messages all the time and we're not always aware what they're taking in. So my my son is uh, in a... The, his class is majority probably... Uh, most, most of the kids in his class are black. He's one of those few, few white kids, but yet the bookshelves was showing him that he was more like the bookshelves didn't have like representative sorry I can't get my words out today the bookshelves that he had weren't representative at all so um we you know we spoke to the school and you know they've they've really switched things up now so it's much better because then he can see that everybody matters equally and he's not more important because he's a white boy going about his business yeah because I guess it was hard to find books represented what his situation was yeah. And I think, yeah, sorry, Karen. Sorry, I was thinking, coming back to what you said about how much time it took you and how few books you had initially, I'm guessing that's probably a reason as well why, why some people don't sort of, one reason why people don't have bookshelves that aren't particularly inclusive, because it sounds like it's a lot of hard work to, to find these kinds of books that represent your family and your situation. And lots of people just don't realise it. You know, if you if you have a husband and uh, and you're a mum and a dad and you have two kids and you probably see yourself all the time in stories like that's just the way it is you don't you know don't necessarily think about it but uh, once you kind of see that stories can be different I've had a lot of parents come to me like totally not having seen the problem and then suddenly being overwhelmed by the scale of the problem because they want they realise that children's books can be written differently. They don't have to be written how they were written 50 years ago. But this conversation has been going on in children's publishing for 50 years. So, like, publishers, there are some publishers out there who've got a real appetite for change and are really, really working hard to change things and to kind of balance it and make make for more equal representation. But it's such a slow-moving uh, business. There's no... Um, you know like for tv you've got offcom so there's no regulation so it's it's just quite hard to shift such an unwieldy machine into doing something that's much more, that's beneficial for all children yes so let's just have a little shift if that's okay to talk about so obviously this was something you had a need for your family to find more inclusive books so how did you go from that to turning it into a business well i think any any time you know like when you when you start a business um it, money's the first thing and uh luckily for me we had uh that we had investment that was quite, somebody was quite happy to invest immediately so my partner um put up the money to begin with and was just quite happy to start that and from there it was a case of 
well, I'd never run a business before, like, and I'm notoriously terrible with money. So I just suddenly had to shift gears and gather all the books that I could think of and start setting up deals with publishers, packaging, website, like everything. It's like a whole avalanche of things when you start a business. You think it's going to be hard, but I don't think anything can prepare you for how much one task leads on to a hundred other tasks too. And I was pregnant at the time. So I'd set up, like I'd started this business when I was, I don't know, I must've been about four months pregnant when I started like setting it up. And then when we had our first sale, I must've been seven or eight months pregnant. And um, it was just a lot like, you know, but I, I was so passionate about it and I knew we were doing something that was important. And that's what kept me going, really. So, you know, it was all the logistics. Cash was the main thing. You know, it's a huge privilege to have somebody who's just willing to be able to fund something like this, knows it's important, wants to put their money there and get started. Because so many of us have to, like, juggle everything to, you know, we have to we have to be able to earn money to keep going. And I've just been in a really lucky position for the last couple of years where I've been able to work on it until it's profitable, which has been great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And actually, it's coming back to something you were saying before about how you'd never run a business before, because when I did a little bit of research on you, your background's completely different, isn't it? So you had no, you know, no experience in retail or publishing or anything at all. So, so how did you, yeah, so I think that's fantastic because often I hear people say, well, look, I'm not qualified to do this. So I think it's fantastic that you qualified yourself and said, yes, I can do this. So what do you think, other than passion, how was it that you were able to sort of figure it all out really well I, I'm a big risk taker at the best of times and uh you know I can't I can't just trot off around the world and uh, go on adventures anymore so I had to find an adventure closer to home and I think that's like that's very much my personality just finding something that'll put me out of my comfort zone is very much where I am um, where I'm happiest and I've forgotten the question <laughs> yeah so I was just saying so what do you think other than sort of having that passion so how how else practically did you manage to do it because as you said you you came from a different background did you find some of your skills transferable did you have to outsource parts of it how sort of talk us through how you managed it well every little stage had me in like a you know like there was panics at every stage of like will I be able to do this you know the first one's getting your website made I must have spent about six hours on one of those make your own website um platforms trying to work out how to do it and feel really frustrated that I couldn't ever master it um but then I uh, enlisted a web developer who did it in a much nicer way than I could have ever done um and so I was recognizing what my strengths were and my strengths are like writing because I was a journalist and I was a like I was in comms before I did this so I can write and I can and I've got lots of uh friends that are like do PR and so I knew that side would be fine but it was just the kind of constructing and and like how do you like things like a user journey on a website so what does a customer say every stage of the journey like how do they engage with your brand what what sucks them in what what help how do you do like how do you set up like e-commerce and then how do you fix it when your website goes down and most of those things I've just had like panics and then thought you've got to do it. Luckily for me, my partner is really like, he's technical. So he's IT person, but not, not like e-commerce stuff, like big business stuff. Um, so that's great. Um, and he's also, he's kind of my impulse control. 
So one thing that we did to begin with was uh, I had to get a load of boxes flat packed and I could get them cheaper if I had 5,000 of them. Now we've got a small London flat. And I was like, oh man, we'll just get 5,000 because, you know, like that makes them really cheap. And he was like, have you got any idea what 5,000 flat pack boxes look like? And I was like, can't be that big, it's flat. So fine. So I was about to press send and he was like, I think we just need to get the measurements. And thank goodness we did because I brought them in. And it literally, they took like, the, when I ordered a thousand, it literally took up one wall of our flat. We were like sitting around them, like they, were, they became our benches. Like we had to protect them and then just use them as furniture because it just took over our whole flat. If we'd had 5,000, I'd be sleeping on them. So yeah, that was, uh, stuff like that has been, you know, every step of the way has been very much trial and error and um, using every single contact that I'd ever met at work ever before, just ringing people up that I haven't spoken to for a long time and going, oh, do you think you could just help me with this? How do I do this? And and that's been brilliant. So, you know, uh, yeah, so it's kind of, and it's, I think what you need when you're setting something up is just like the belief in what you're doing and tenacity. So like the ability to just keep, pick yourself up and go again and go again and go again. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right because, you know, it is tough and there are always things you've got to figure out with anything yeah. new. But if you just keep going, put one foot in front of the other, I'm a big believer in just make your mistake, do it, make your mistakes, learn, keep going. Yeah. And I do think that makes a huge difference to how well you do. You know, if you can just keep putting one foot in front of the other and just keep showing up, you're going to get a lot further than if you let everything sort of stop you in your tracks, aren't you? Yeah. And it's hard, it, you know, there've been times when, I remember when one of the early times when the website went down and I had to like take myself away and sit there like knowing that this is the only way we can make sales and it was closed and it wasn't working and, and panicking that these people, you know, this was when we're back when we had like 10 customers and I'd be panicking thinking, what if number 11's trying to get on and they can't and, you know, and as you grow, the, those things become more manageable because you've dealt with them like 10 times already and you can, you know, you just, develop a, the ability to like put your fixes in place and move on but it's intense yeah it, it definitely is so so you started out looking for books for your family so the, what came next did you decide that you were going to sort of cur- curate and provide these books for families or schools or was it both at the same time so when you when you it started was, out where was it uh when I started out we um had our eyes on families predominantly and we knew that there would be uh, there'd be lots of families of color who've not been able to find books where their children see themselves um, we knew there'd be lots of we kind of targeted busy working working families where both parents were working don't have time to like sit and read with their kids so much but want to know that they're getting good stuff so we targeted um, kind of professionals and their kids and um, yeah just to make sure that because, because I knew that, that the frustration was that I'd, I'd been in that situation and I hadn't been able to find them. So we were kind of looking for people who were time poor. Um, so we were targeting families. And as they grew, um, it, it just so happened that the day we launched, and, and, and this was a total coincidence, even though, yeah, because there was no way I could have found out. Because now I look back and go, how did that happen? On the day we launched, on the day, well, it wasn't even the day of launch, when we opened our website and we were going to go in for a weekend of testing, um, there was a, uh, an organisation called the Centre for Literacy and Primary Education who released for the very first time stats about how, um, how many books have been published with black, Asian or minority ethnic uh, main characters and, and stats about representation in children's books. And it happened on the same day. 
So I happened to put out a message on Facebook going, our website's live. And one of my friends who worked for Sky got in touch and went, oh, we're just doing, a, uh, we're doing something on this today. Could you speak to Sky? Oh, wow. <laughs> so in, within the first, like, and we hadn't tested the website. We didn't know if it all worked. We hadn't finished, you know, it, it hadn't been finished. We literally, this was going to be the testing when people start to use it. And suddenly I was live on Sky just uh, talking about books for the first time in my life. And obviously the way I say books is hilarious for everybody because I say it with about five words because of my accent. Um, and that was the first time. And, and from there we got, like, I remember the bit which was really exciting was when we got our first, like, customer, like our first person who wasn't somebody we knew. You know, it's not Aunt Marjorie. It's not like it's not like Jim from down the road. It was like somebody like neither of us knew, and we were like, "Does anybody know this person?" Because we don't. And that was that was a really big moment for us. That is really exciting. That's when your business feels real, doesn't it? When someone you've yeah. never heard of, yeah, yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? It's a really nice feeling. It is. So obviously, so this podcast is for people who want to sort of start creating and selling their own products. But I wanted to talk, the reason I invited you on is I think what you do is really different and a really yeah, it's a, it's, it's a different approach to having a products business in that you curate products. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about how sort of the mechanics of that. So how you go about, first of all, selecting which books go into your store and sort of how you go about find, sourcing and finding them now. I'm, I'm hoping, assuming and hoping that it's easier now for you than it was at the beginning, but maybe not. But I'd love to hear. Um, it is it is dramatically easier than it was at the beginning. Um, I don't think my business could have existed if publishing where it was where it was like ten years ago, even maybe maybe even five years ago. So there's a definite like there is a trickle down of like books that represent more people, which so is actually, great. Sorry to interfere, Lindsay, but actually, probably a good question is how long has your business been running for now? Just to give us an idea of the time scale. Uh, it will be the first sale we made will be two years in July, so not very long at all. Wow, not long, and things have changed a lot in two years. Oh, so much, yeah, and and you know some of it is my familiarity with the with the business and with publishers, and people coming to me with it. But like you know the the volume of like there was stats done in 2017 for how many books have been published in it. It was something like one percent of books featured a black Asian or uh, minority ethnic main character in 2017 and in 2018 it had gone up to four percent so there is very slow movement in yeah, the right direction I mean yeah uh, it's a small number but yeah there is movement that's good yeah exactly exactly that's it so um when they uh so so those stats are like you know they do show that things are slightly better but it's still a lot of me getting catalogues and having a so I get samples from the publishers and then I basically read all the stories and I read through and um, because sometimes it's not really we definitely don't do it about what the story's about so it's it's just the illustrations or it will be just a line in a book which says Timmy goes home to his dad and his dad's like a single dad you know and and so there's things that so I have to read them thoroughly and I, and then so. It's about reading them thoroughly, finding the points of uh, representation that are important. So we, we look for diversity in family setup, in race and culture, in um, relationships, uh, gender roles. So we look for like, you know, men doing childcare, women going out to work. There's not very many of them. Um, what else do we look for? Representations of disability. Because quite often the only representations of disability children will see in children's books are pirates. And of course, it's always a negative um, representation. Um, so that's what we look for. 
and then where so we see the samples uh and they always have to be so a lot of self-published authors get in touch with me which is amazing which means that we can give people amplification you know we can send their books to different audiences we've just done a big project with save the children where i've taken loads of self-published authors and given their books to uh celebrities for save the children's um appeal that's going on at the moment so it's for coronavirus due um helping families all over the world so we and so we we look for it's like a quality check so we have to make sure that because there's so much there's so many different levels of self-publishing and you have to spend a bit of money to make it look good and we have to we want the books that we provide to be as good quality as anything you buy on the shelf in the bookshelf in the bookshop you know they have to be bookshop commercial quality mainly because we don't want diversity to be some kind of knockoff cheap version of like other real books yeah. do you know what I mean yeah exactly and that's what you mean yeah so the stories have to be really good like so it's good storytelling beautiful illustration really good quality quality publishing and um then this uh these this diversity that we we always look for so it sounds like you've got a really clear vision of the kind of books that you're after so like yeah, really, and to, yeah yeah and I have to check in because I obviously arrive with my bias and I think that's one of the key things I've learned as I've gone along is I've, I've got my own, I come from the background, the very specific background that I do come from um, and I have to check in. So we check in with a local school who are just up the road uh, to see that what we're, what we're dealing with is authentic representation and that um, people feel seen by the books that they read. So, you know, like we do, we put checks in place to make sure that's not just me going, oh, I like that one, I don't like that, you know, because... Yeah. And we hope to expand that as we go, as we as we grow. So, and do you get requests from customers for specific books? Do you get customers contact and you say, "And I'd like a book that represents this situation," or do you? Yeah, do you offer yeah, that we kind get of service? Uh, we do. Well, we do that kind of for free um, because you know, like if somebody gets in touch and says, "Like I need a book for anxiety," so I was I did BBC Breakfast a few weeks ago and one of the girls wanted to explain that her dog had died to her niece and she needed books about bereavement and grief and, you know, like really nice ones to like help them all through that process. And because I'm exposed to so many books, I've got a list, like I can immediately supply a list. So I do try to, because it's also a good, it's just a really good thing to do. Yeah. I know books have helped us talk about loads of stuff. You probably find it yourself. It's like, you know, you just get a chance to talk about lots of things if you have a good book yeah you're right lots of it's it's a lovely way um it's a lovely service you provide and you're right it is yeah it is so useful I remember the only example that comes to mind for me off the top of my head and I'm sure there are others is when I was expecting my second child and we got lots of books about having a baby and a baby coming and we tried to get books where it wasn't all necessarily going to be lovely if that makes sense yeah 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 (laughs) to read some books where babies cried a lot and were genuinely quite you know (laughs) quite a just to show that having a little baby brother or sister might not be um well yeah Yeah. an entirely positive experience you know trying to show the reality of it basically so yeah and I'm sure there are other experiences I mean I I quite find myself quite often referring to things with my children from books because I think books are so relatable aren't they well they should be yeah well yeah and 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 you can it's just another tool isn't it like things are when things get tough like you you've got to be able to they, they it helps them to find somebody who's gone through something similar I remember that when I was growing up Judy Bloom was like like she was everybody's bible to like grow up to like she her books were so 
brutally honest about everything that teenagers were going through. I, I loved her. She, she just yeah, explained things in a way that other people hadn't. Me too, actually. It felt like she really understood sort of being a young teenager. She's still going as well. She's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's incredible. So I know that as well as selling sort of individual books, you also offer subscription service. So how does that work? So we only sell books in boxes. So okay. we we always sell them in boxes. Um, just from a business perspective, it's really difficult to sell single books to have them in stock in our house, and also it doesn't make sense with like with what we're trying to achieve. So we sell them in boxes of two, three, or four and you can get them that's for the family family boxes we call them and you can get them gift boxes or on a subscription so you can get one-off gifts which are great for like birthdays and christmases and christenings and new baby presents all of that stuff we, we get quite a lot of that and then we do subscription packages of like a month three months or six months with two three or four books in them and they all come with a gift and and the first one comes wrapped and uh, there's puzzles and activities in there and we give a book uh, to Doorstep Library, our charity partner, every time somebody buys a box. So we are, because one of the things as well is we don't want inclusive and representative children's books just to be for people who can afford them. So we try in everything we do to to um, reach further and, you know, affect more children, you know, have more impact is essentially yeah. what we're trying yeah. to do. Get more books out um, there. Yeah, yeah. So we do that, and then on the school side, we do boxes of 10, 20, I think it's 50 and 100 maybe. So like big boxes so that uh, teachers don't have to spend loads of time like thinking, I need this kind of book. They can just diversify their libraries in, in a few books and you know be on the right track. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so, okay, just a few more questions before we wrap up. So... I know that you've mentioned that you have two young children now. So how does this business work around your family? Does it work around your family? I'm assuming that it does, but does it? Um, you know, it's like everything. You have to compromise loads and there is a temptation. I've certainly found a temptation with having my own business to work more. And um, it's a constant battle to bring myself back to family life because I love what I do. And especially during this nine weeks of, lockdown um it's been really hard to work around the business hasn't stopped in fact we've kind of taken more than we've ever done before and that's with no childcare and doing it all I get up at five I go to bed at midnight and you know that's that's how it works um but in real life we have childcare. again I'm really lucky with that back when the children went to school one of them's in school the other one's got somebody who comes around three days a week so I try as hard as I can to like keep those two days separate for the baby because he's only 18 months and basically this is all he's ever known. Um, I gave birth to him in the November and then we had our first Christmas as a as a retailer three weeks later. It's rent. Is he tired? Oh, it was awful. But, you know, we, we, we survived. <laughs> so other than um, sort of having two children at home, has the situation with coronavirus affected your business at all has it affected how you have to operate how you have to ship for example or um we, well we do, we follow all the regulations for packing up making sure that everything's clean and uh disinfected and then we've one thing that we've had to stop doing we used to wrap every single book we sent um but 
there were a couple of things we couldn't get the wrapping paper that we would usually get so we couldn't we couldn't get our supplies and we've been thinking about how we reduce our impact on the environment so it came at a really good time for us to just think about how we spend our time and our resources and making sure that we're not creating too much waste uh so that's changed from a practical perspective and from like a business perspective i've just i've had quite a lot of press so i've been in red magazine and stylist and um a couple of others independent because we started doing a little letter inside so we give a stamped addressed envelope to every subscriber in um when corona virus kind of took us you know stopped basically the care homes stopped allowing visitors in so we put stamped addressed envelopes in all of our uh, book boxes so that kids could write letters or draw pictures and send them to old people who old people are chronically ill people who couldn't go out or have visitors um so that that created quite a bit of interest and we've just we were really busy i think people wanted to read really good books and we did a couple of um posts about making sure that your kids just aren't immersed in their own culture that they remember that there's a bigger normal outside and that everybody's normal is valid and to keep reminding your children of difference even when you're in lockdown that's fantastic and along those themes then so are there books so if someone's listening to this and they're thinking oh actually i should probably diversify my bookshelf a little bit are there any books you recommend um that are good books to start with or books you think everyone should have on their shelf well, if they, I mean, I'd recommend they came to our website and started buying from us. <laughs> of course, <laughs> absolutely. And there will be a link, there'll be a link to your website in the show notes. So people can rate um, I would recommend, what would, my, what would be my favourite books? Uh, there's one called Errol's Garden, which is about a little boy. Um, he's a black boy and he lives with his dad and his sister. And they live in a high rise. And I read it in a school and loads of kids were like, that's my house and they've never seen their house in a storybook before and I love that one and that was one of the first ones we ever sent out and it's still a firm favorite here and another one is the Queen Engineer which is by a lady who lives in South London she self-published it and it is about a little girl who wants to be an engineer her dad wants her to marry and be the queen she's got other ideas and it's got a lovely twist in it I won't spoil it but it's absolutely brilliant and we just had Cara Delevingne reading it for Save the Children's campaign so it's oh it's literally one of the most perfect children's books oh. uh, so, and, yeah, those and, are and actually we have the author of that book on the podcast in a future episode which i don't think you knew so that's a really lovely no, i did not know really that nice you mentioned that yeah so yeah we have an interview coming up in a few weeks so that's fantastic oh and she'll be so thrilled that you mentioned the book i'm sure I'm big fans fantastic okay so um just a few questions to finish up so what um do you enjoy about having a products business what things you know make it worthwhile for you other than of course you know the work that you're doing um i like being able to i i I love being my own boss i like being able to plan my own time and be able to move on things really quickly I've, i've worked in massive companies and been at the whims of like a lot of people and sign off is horrendous and all that and, and literally I can have an idea and just do it and I love that I love being part of a new industry that um that I get to, and, and uh, you know like we get the chance to make a difference in what with the work that we do so I really like that I like that it fits around family life and we can do whatever we want I can go on holiday when I want to except when except at the moment and when the children are <laughs> 
but in normal life um so yeah all of that i just absolutely love and i i like uh, just being able to be creative and um having an impact on what children get to read fantastic and what would your sort of number one piece of advice be for someone wanting to start their own products business whether they're looking to create a product themselves or whether they're looking to do more like you've done and actually create products what would you um i'd say having passion helps like if you want it to go far like you can you can do what you want you can make what you want um but passion kind of drive passion certainly drives me to like get it to more people and get more exposure. And in doing that, I think you, my main advice is to look after yourself and your well-being and your, your own mental health. Because there's something about having to pick yourself up and go again and being, like I mentioned earlier, like you have to be tenacious and you have to like dust yourself off and make connections and, and network and keep pushing your business because you believe in it. And I think one of the things that's really helped me is like having therapy and, and counseling and support as I go along so I can remain robust. It's kind of like a, uh, it's like a protective thing to just make sure that, you know, you take a lot of knocks and you don't, it's sometimes very uncertain and it's really good to check in and just keep yourself strong mentally as you go along. That's my biggest thing, I think. That's, and that's fantastic advice thank you because i don't think anyone said that yet and that is that is brilliant advice because i think especially when you're passionate it's really tempting to just push 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 keep going keep working and um yeah you can easily get yourself burnt out which doesn't do anyone any good in the long run yeah and and, and also it sends you on a roller coaster as well because you're passionate and you're shouting about it and then no, if nobody responds you're like oh i'm gonna have to stop now or you're going to personally take a bit of a hit, you know, like what, what's wrong with this? Why, you know, so you have to keep checking in with yourself and keep like making sure that you're tough enough to keep going. Yeah. I think that's hard as well. Cause I think if you do get any sort of, whether it's a criticism or, you know, bad feedback or you're not getting the sales that you want, it's really hard when it's your thing, not to take it personally. I know I've certainly found that. And I think having to sort of separate yourself from the business is hard, but um, kind of necessary, I think to protect yourself. Yeah, so hard though. Like you know, so it's like you, for me, it's like my third baby, or sometimes my first baby, depending <laughs> on how I feel about my children. But like, it's really hard to just keep it going. Is. Like, yeah, it is to, to feel protective over it. Yeah, it's really hard. Well, thank you so much for everything you shared. You've given so much value. Thank you so much. Um, so, where can people come and find you if they want to find out about more about you and your books, and hopefully get a box or two? um so our website is little box of books that's with two o's at the end <laughs> not three uh, dot, dot uk. so littleboxofbooks.co.uk um is our website um i'm on instagram little box of books i'm on twitter which is little bull books like bull people but bull books and i think that's all the places and facebook as well um so we're in all the usual places and uh yeah so i always respond to dms and um messages and emails from the website so people can get fantastic. hold of me if they want to. fantastic thank you and i will for anyone who's sort of driving exercising can't write this down i'll link this all up in the show notes as well so if you go over to the show notes for this episode wherever you're listening to it you'll be able to go straight to Lindsay's website from there as well okay well thank you so much it was lovely thanks. to talk to you thanks very much for having me you're welcome. 
Hi, so thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found this interview useful. If you have any questions for either Lindsay or myself, please do get in touch. You can email me on vicky at tinychipmunk.com. And just another reminder to please rate and review the podcast if you have time. Um, I'd really appreciate it. I'm just going to read actually... Um, a review that I had back in April which says it's a five-star review which is lovely um it says I found this podcast to be concise clear and certainly inspirational definitely worth listening to well that's nice isn't it so thank you so much um to whoever left that um if you've enjoyed this episode please do consider leaving a review it's you know I've said it a lot um I'll probably be saying this for a while but I'm still a new podcast and apparently reviews are what help other people find out about the show and you know think about whether it's right for them to listen to so they are really appreciated um and that is all so see you next week If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.